What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good morning. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast. And I have the luxury today of sitting down with uh, one of my colleagues. I promised I think in some of the previous interviews that I would do this, Jen Gottlieb. Jen is the newly anointed president of W2O. Welcome, Jen. Thank you, Aaron. And she's out here in San Francisco this week, so we're recording here. And uh, we're going to do a special edition today of the What to Know podcast because we have some phenomenal news. We'll get to that in a second. What I'd like to do, just like we normally do with guests, is start with where you started. And you, like many of our other alum, particularly our CEO, Jim Weiss, uh, hailed from our beloved Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse. Coming out of Syracuse, you held a variety of roles at some very well-known agencies like Golan Harris, Edelman, um, Conan Wolf, before landing at W2O in 2006. So let's talk a little bit about like what got you into the world of communications, and then we'll talk a little bit about your uh, first days at what was called Weisscom Partners, I think, back in those early days. Thank you, Aaron. I uh, Yes, I went to the Newhouse School of Public Communications uh, along with Jim Weiss and many others from our firm. I actually majored in public relations, although I have to admit at 19 years old, I'm not sure I knew exactly what that meant, but it seemed interesting and it seemed to combine a lot of my skills. And from that, uh, the Syracuse network was pretty vast and I was able through a connection at school to get a job at my first agency. And I've actually been an agency my whole career, which is not that common, um, but I've really embraced and loved the client service and client counsel element of our business. I've loved the diversity that agencies bring um, to the table in terms of being able to service many different kinds of clients and learn different things. Um, and, and the pace, is it really gets me kind of up in the morning. And um, in general, I feel that there's such a um, an interesting part of public communications that only people in the business understand as it relates to how influential and important it is to all businesses, organizations, government. Um, there's such an interesting area of study in communications that um, has enabled me to really um, master that. So one of the things that uh, I really loved is when we announced you a few weeks ago, I guess now it was probably a couple months ago, you did an interview with Jim Weiss and you guys did a little reminiscing. And one of the stories you tell in this blog interview that was part of the, you know, part and parcel of the release um, was being at Syracuse and being at Newhouse and hearing about this making it happen guy. Uh, so let's fast forward to 2006. I know you had met Jim before that. I think actually had even worked on an account for him. What was your first day like at Weisscom Partners, which now obviously is W2O? And, you know, was it what you expected? I think it was not a lot of you. We're now almost 700 people. You're probably closer to, you know, 20 or 30 people at that point. Sure. Uh, Aaron, so talking about the early days of Weisscom Partners really does start before 2006 as Jim Weiss, um, who I had heard about at Syracuse, to your point, was actually my client several years before that. Um, many years before that, actually. So our relationship started with me as the agency counselor and he as the client, which actually is a recipe for success, if I'd have to say now. Many years later, when Jim opened the firm and he was trying to figure out who should be part of his team to help bring it where, to where it is today, he came and found me. We got back together and I joined in 2006 to what you said was Weisscom Partners. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I trusted Jim. 
and I trust him today. I um, joined because I thought that he had great vision for what an agency could be and wasn't at the time coming from a client's viewpoint. And a lot of the things he valued, I valued. And I felt that coming in early to the organization enabled us to really mold it to be an agency that was very different than the rest. And I think our growth trajectory and the 12-year journey has proven us right. So that's a good segue to our next point. And I, while I've seen this before, and I've been here for seven years myself, it was a little bit eye-popping. So you have been here for 12 years. You've done some amazing things like opening our now largest office in New York. I think it's over 200 people. Um, You started Twist. You ran WCG. You were our COO and head of client services, among many other things. The thing that I think really blew me away is looking at some of our historical charts. In 2006, this firm was seven million, seven point three million to be exact, in revenue. Last year we had one hundred and forty-four million. I'm not great at math, but that's a pretty incredible, you know, trajectory. So let's talk a little bit about what your secret to success has been and being a great partner to Jim and Bob and others along the, the last twelve years. Sure. I think the secret to success from going from seven million to one hundred forty-four million um, falls into a few categories. One, it falls into having a killer work ethic. Uh, Jim has it, I have it, Bob has it. Many of us who come here, we know how to work and we get things done. Number two, it falls into really being able to be one step ahead of where the market's going and where the um, agencies need to go. Um, It comes down to having stellar relationships and client relations skills, and to be quite frank, not being afraid to counsel people and put what needs to be put on the table on a regular basis, both with your teams, with your clients. It's kind of living a very real um, daily life is, is the way I would describe it. And the other thing about you know your amazement at the, at the growth, Jim and I always pinch ourselves, say we need to pinch ourselves and like how did we get here and and we know how we got here but I think for me one of the best parts is you know when you're in it and you're working the business and you're doing your job and you're doing it well success comes and at the end of each year I would be proud of of how we were doing but I never looked too far ahead to say we need to be there I just worked uh, to make sure that every day was the best day we could we could be and, and we became what we did. Well, it's a great story. And uh, obviously, I sort of have to pinch myself every day just thinking about, I think I, when I joined, we were 44 million or 47 million. So not quite as uh, big a leap as, as what you've seen. Um, one of the things that I would like to sort of talk about, you mentioned in the past, and I remember when working for you, uh, it's this idea of sort of the calm and the storm. And really coming in with that mindset, you had mentioned a client had said to you that if you don't come in every day expecting that you're going to have some major fire drills, right? And that way, if you have less than that, it's a great day. If you have the same, you've expected it. If you have more, then you roll with the punches. So, you know, what what goes into that calm countenance and that sort of mental mindset of really being prepared for the day every day and not letting the highs get you too high, the lows get you too low? It's an interesting question. Um, how do you kind of go into each day assuming there will be challenges and and positive areas of your day? I think for me, and it is something Jim taught me, he always taught me to see challenges opportunity and really do that, not just say that. Um, every opportunity that happens, whether it's challenging or not, is an opportunity to either solve a problem, 
fix something that's broken, have a breakthrough that you didn't realize you would have. I have become a believer that, you know, everything happens for a reason, even in the workplace. And so if there's a breakdown of some sort that happens either between a client and another, you know, stakeholder of theirs that we have to resolve or even between ourselves and 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 other stakeholders, we've just learned to embrace it for what it is and use it as an opportunity to solve for it to make everybody better um, and improve communications and results post that that breakdown well and you do truly live it and i am it's one of the greatest lessons i've learned really is i'm always amazed at how unflappable you and jim and others are and how well you sort of um bake that into the organization I do want to shift gears a little bit because one of the reasons we're sitting down today, other than being well overdue for this, is um, you are about to be recognized, actually, by the time this podcast goes live, I think it will be out there in the wild, that you you have just been uh, inducted into the PR Week's Hall of Femme. Um, it's a tremendous honor. What was the reaction when you found out, you know, did you click your heels? Did you, I, I know you were pretty excited when I got the call from you, you know, letting me know. So tell us what that felt like. When I got the phone call from Bernadette that I was selected for this year's Hall of Femme, the smile was like ear to ear for a really long time that evening. I was so, so excited, so grateful, uh, so appreciative. I have worked very hard in, in the industry and in my career. This has been a very important year for me, as you mentioned, with my promotion to president. I was so happy that they recognized that. And um, I just, you know, it was one of the awards in my career of a few awards that I, I really was striving for over time. And the fact that it is the Hall of Femme and that it recognizes women leadership in addition to leadership in general in the business um, was even more meaningful for me. Uh, we have a very uh, vast group of um, successful women in our organization and many of my peers in the business. And it's nice to see uh, that recognized um, by, by the PR industry. Well, again, I, I was thrilled to hear it, and uh, I can't think of a better person to be the recipient of that. One of the things I do want to ask you is you and I were preparing for this is they asked you some sort of fun questions or some introspective questions. One of them was, what advice would your twenty would you give your 20-year-old self, which I think is a great question. So care to uh, share with us what you shared with the PR Week folks? Sure. Uh, I was really excited when they sent over some of the questions, um, some which are featured in the, in the write-up. One was, yes, what would you tell your 20-year-old self today? It was really interesting to have to think back to that, and, and really it came down to, stress less and smile more, face your fears, take chances, get out and explore, yet embrace the simpler things in life, and most of all, have a killer work ethic. Well, I wish maybe you were around to give my 20-year-old self that kind of advice because that's good advice. It's been quite a year with your recent appointment as president of W2O, which I think probably had a little to do with the award itself. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what your first few weeks in the position have been. I, I would argue that they're probably not that different than what they've been for the last few years. But I know, one, you get a lot of kudos from existing and former clients. And two, the guy sitting next door because we're in my office recording this, you know, probably kicked your butt twice as hard because it's like, okay, now all of a sudden you have the title. Let's talk about that. 
Sure, thank you. I've had many different roles here at the organization over a 12-year period, as you can imagine. And this profession is not for the faint of heart. So being able to be adaptable and adjust to the positions as needed or the positions like the one I've just taken on, which is really in response to all the work I've done at the firm, um, both need to be taken very seriously and, and worked at very hard. Uh, you know, we need to always be on point in this business, understanding the client, understanding their business, managing the business, not just managing the account, understanding what's going on in society, our value proposition and models and our staff. Very, very important all to the business. And I'm, I'm really embracing all of that, not so differently than I have before, but at a larger scale. Capturing the firm's strategic direction and translating it through all that we do is very important to me. Um, it's the tenets of how we've built the firm. Uh, the DNA of the firm has not changed over these many 12 years. And, you know, just I'm so excited for the future and so excited for all that I can bring to this new position. So this is timely because uh, you and our friend Gary Greats are instrumental in helping the marketing team with filling out some of our award submissions to a variety of different media publications. One of the areas that they always ask about is really how are we assessing the firm in the marketplace right now and what are the key areas of trends that stand out? So any that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, we've always been one step ahead as a firm in all of the years I've been here, no matter what was changing or evolving in the business. Right now, as many people know, uh, analytics and digital are really ruling the way. Um, no longer will we be doing communications and marketing where analytics and digital aren't just part of how we do it and not separate functions. And we're working hard as a firm to ensure that that's woven through everything we do and at the core of everything we do. And to be honest, although it's been, you know, that isn't an easy thing for many uh, communications firms and marketing firms to change, it's really been very exciting. And it's always exciting when you have vision of where the market's going before the market's going there. Gives you a bit of a head start, which I think we had. And it also makes you uh, differentiated in the market. Some of the most significant things that are going on are really in the areas of healthcare and technology, whether it's machine learning, um, or, you know, all of healthcare really moving to a digital, digital communications connected space, predictive analytics. Each one of these things in all of the areas in technology and healthcare in particular have an ability to disrupt the status quo and change the way we do business and more importantly, change the way our clients do their business. So let's talk about making a difference. This is one of the criteria for the Hall of Fame Awards. Um, you know, how can people make a difference? And I know that's one of the things that you really... I've seen personally in working with you and for you over the last several years is that you do really seem to bring the best out of people. So let's talk about making a difference. Thank you, Aaron. I don't believe there's one particular formula for that. Uh, making a difference can be something very big, like a great innovative idea that changes the game at the agency. Or it could be something very small that's one-on-one -on -one with an employee that sheds some light on something maybe they needed to uh, change up or evolve into and watching that happen and knowing that you made a difference in their career and where they're going and in their contribution to the firm. Um, it already, For me, it basically comes down to seeing what you do every day, no matter how small or large, as important um, and living in the moment in terms of measuring your success by those moments versus at a large scale only. I embrace every day as a new challenge, 
a client once told me, you know, if you walk into every day expecting it to be perfect and expecting no fires, then you're not living in reality and you're not embracing your your the evolution of yourself and the firm for what it is. And in the 12 years I've been here, I always tell people, I smile a lot. I have fun every day, no matter how big the challenge or how big the crisis or how big the opportunity. To me, it's it's just been a wonderful journey uh, to be on here building this agency. I do want to let people sort of learn a little more about you and your non-W-2O life. And I've had the opportunity because, you know, of bios and submissions and things like that to, to know a little more about you. But tell us to the degree you feel comfortable about your family, your charitable activities, what you do for fun. I am the mom of two wonderful daughters. Uh, they are 12 and 15 years old. I always tell all of the young moms at the office, it doesn't get easier, it just gets different. Um, raising kids and, and working are, you know, is, is just an evolution of, of the same. Um, I am married, I um, have a dog. <laughs> I love working in the city and living in the suburbs. And um, I have, you know, a lot of my um, my social and recreational activities really fall around my family. And I think I can speak for a lot of other working parents, not just moms, that, you know, in the limited time we have, it's really important to try and find ways to spend time with your loved ones, um, but in a fun um, interesting, interesting way. Let's build on your charitable activities because I know I'm always amazed that in your full-time job and then your second full-time job, whether that's family, W2O, or vice versa, you do find time to actually contribute meaningfully to you know some charitable organizations. So let's just touch on that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Um, I sit on the board of the AMIB, which is a organization that both Bob Pearson and I are involved in. Um, and they actually build homes for um, disabled people in the state of New Jersey. Um, and that's been a wonderful organization to be involved in, um, very meaningful. And it's really gratifying to see, you know, what that work does to help people who have disabilities who can't live alone, live in, you know, homes with other people and help. Um, it, it means a lot to me. The other organizations I'm involved in is the um, autism area. Uh, my sister-in-law runs a nonprofit um, called the North Shore Autism Society um, and is also very involved in Autism Speaks and, and we're very involved as a family. I would say that's kind of our family uh, family cause. And I also do some volunteer work with the American Diabetes Association um, and have some personal connections in that area through family members and have always felt that that was an area, especially being in healthcare communications, that is something that is underappreciated as a challenging health issue and um, can use additional um, innovation. And, and I give a lot of communications counsel um, to people in that, in that organization. Well, it's amazing that you're able to squeeze it all in, although I shouldn't be shocked because you're tireless in your efforts. Last two questions, and these are questions I like to ask all of my guests. The first is something that people don't know about you that you're willing to share, and I love because you shared this with me beforehand, but uh, tell us a little bit about early days and working for your dad. Sure. I uh, So I always talk about the importance of having a part-time job when you're young. I know Jim and I share that that value. And um, I had many jobs, you know, being a, you know, growing up in the 70s and the 80s, you know, whether it was the mall or waitressing. Um, but my very first job was actually um, at my dad's auto parts store. He owned an auto parts store in our town. And um, he let me work there way before the age of 16. And uh, I was able to look up 
you know, parts for people's cars. If you needed a spark plug or a muffler, or needed some questions answered, needed an oil filter, I knew how to look up your car and the model and the year and actually make the sale. And um, I think a lot of people thought it was strange to be, you know, having a 14-year-old girl help buy your auto parts. But um, but I did work there and um, and learned a lot from it and uh, and had a great time. Well, I love knowing that now. It's uh, it's made me chuckle, and it is a great way to start. Um, the last question, the one that a lot of people have a tough time with, I have a feeling you're not going to have a tough time, but it's the uh, proverbial, you're stuck on a deserted island. You can take one album with you. Um, which album would you take and why? It's funny. I have a, lo- a love of music, but I like a lot of different kinds of music, and it's all usually based on the day or the mood. So it was a tough question for me, Aaron. Uh, but I had to say that, I went with my gut and my go-to album, if it was the only one I could take, was would be the Eagles Hotel California because the variety of it kind of hits every mood and, um, you know, just a really great, great, great album. That's a good choice. And I don't think we've had an Eagles selection yet. So uh, I, I would actually vouch for that. I probably would. I would not be sad if that I was stuck on an island with that album. Um, well, thank you, Jen. Uh, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What's to Know podcast. And uh, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with my colleague, friend, and our new president of W2O, most importantly, um, selected as of you know today and announced today to be in PR Week's Hall of Fame, which is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. So congratulations, Jen, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Aaron. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.